0: For tonight, question and answer section is on the Sama Wayama. Mm. For the most, uh, the Western scholars they translated samma Wayama as uh, right effort. Bante uh, translated as harmonious uh, exercise. So I would a bit uh, like to uh, request Bante to enlighten us. Uh, regarding the scope. Yes. Well, we are going to talk about the uh, uh, sixth step in the uh, what I call the supernormal eightfold way. I have already explained why I call it supernormal, huh? because it is not the normal way of living. It's a supernormal way. And uh, normally or commonly it is uh, translated as uh, right effort. And I have translated this as the harmonious exercise. Why did I use the word exercise instead of effort? That was the question. Now, effort involves a lot of uh, struggle. But here, this exercise is not a struggle at all. It is to stop struggles. The struggle has to be stopped. That is why it is an exercise. It is an exercise is more like a training. We are training the mind. Normally the word exercise is used to talk about uh, training the body. To build uh, muscles or strength of the muscle. So we are not trying to exercise the body, we are trying to exercise the mind and that is the important thing here. And this exercise really is a collection of four exercises. There are four parts to the exercise. And we are giving four names for that, which are names given by the Buddha. Sangvara, Pahana, Bhavana, and anurakkana And these four exercises, exercises—samvara, Prahana, Bhavana, Anurakhata, is also called the Sammapadhana. Those are simply the Pali words. Uh, these are simply the Padhana, it means uh, the s- separate exercises. Padana also means an exercise. Hmm. And uh, Sangura, the word Sangura means uh, covering. Hmm? Now, uh, if you have uh, studied this uh, thing called boxing, uh, When someone boxes onto you, it's you say you cover, you hold your hand like that, that is covering. That is called covering. So that shot doesn't come because you cover. So in the same way, what is happening is we are born with a body, and in this body There are five senses, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, and the entire body becomes a sense organ. And what happens is, various things happening in the environment will come and strike the senses. Light comes and strikes the eye. Sounds come and strike the ears. Smells come and strike the nose. Taste comes and strike the tongue. And the touches come and strike the body. And the body begins to react to this. So you see, What we are trying to do is to cover. Whenever the thing comes and strikes, we cover it. That is the sangmar. Like the boxer covers with the hand, we cover it by this method. How do we cover? That is important to understand. Because the reaction to the stimulus coming from the environment, the reaction pollutes the mind. The reaction pollutes the mind. So to avoid the pollution, we are covering them. We have to cover the eye. Now, th- that does it mean that we close our eyes, plug the ears, plug the nose, and <laughs> the mouth. That is not the covering. Here the Buddha observes how the mind gets polluted. There are three conditions necessary for the pollution to take place. Now, if we take only the eye, we have to open the eye. If we open the eye, that pollution can take place. But that is not all. We have to open the eye, and something beautiful or ugly must come to be seen with the eye. If it is a beautiful thing, we'll be get attracted to it. If it is ugly, we'll be repelled. That is the pollution. So there are... First, the eye has to be opened. The other is, something must come to that field of vision. But there is a third factor. We must begin to... Think about it. If we don't think about it, even if our eyes are open, or even if it comes to the field of vision, our mind won't get polluted. We cannot help keeping the eyes open, and we cannot avoid things coming to our vision. We can only avoid one thing not thinking about what we see. And that is what we do. Not to think of what we see. We don't think, oh, it is very beautiful, oh, it is very ugly. We don't, we have to stop thinking. So if, even if we see something, we don't think about what we see. Even if we hear a sound, we don't think about what we hear. Even uh, we smell something, we don't think about the smell. If we taste something, we don't think about the taste. If we touch something, we don't think about what we touch. That is the meaning of sangmara. Saṅvara, that is the covering like the boxer, covers. That is the covering. The other is prahana. Prahana means to throw, throw away. Prahana. Han, han means to throw away. Prahana is to throw away uh, hardly or in a very strong way, a strong throwing out. You see, it is like uh, we keep a doorkeeper who will uh, let only good things, good people to enter, bad people are thrown out. So we, we have a strong built doorkeeper so that if someone tries to enter, that person can throw. That means uh, we have to throw out. That is prahāna. Now, what are the things we are going to throw out? Although we are guarding the senses in this way, we may be guarding the senses but still the mind get, get polluted. How is that? Memories coming. It is not something that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch. What we have seen before, maybe yesterday, or maybe last week, or maybe last month, or maybe even last year. Memories of the past come into our head but the moment it comes it has to be thrown out that is the meaning of prahana but it's not only something about the past maybe something connected with the future comes into our mind Once I was in Sri Lanka, when I was in Sri Lanka, we had an institution called the Buddhist Information Centre, and I was there at that time. And uh, a man, a westerner, came in. I think he said he was from England and he asked me, is it true that the Buddha has said, this verily is ill? He had read some book somewhere, this verily is ill. (laughs) That means he is speaking about dukkha, suffering. So what he read in that book was, this verily is ill so i said uh, well the buddha has uh, spoken about dukkha the, how the dukkha comes into be and i explained that whole thing but then he said can you teach me meditation so at that time i i just said okay Meditation is uh, not an easy thing to just teach like that. But if you like, uh, you can uh, go out and start walking. There was an area where you could do a meditation while walking. So I said, you start walking and be aware of the walking, that is all. So you are aware that you are walking, that's all. And then you turn, when you turn, be aware that you are turning. And then again you walk back, and be aware that you are walking back. And when you come to the end of that, then again you begin to become aware that you are turning. And so you keep on doing that. That is the starting point of the practice. So he started doing that, and then he start, he started doing for a few minutes, and he came back and said, "Well, thank you very much. I have to go." I said, "Where? Uh, my wife is waiting for me, such and such a place." So I. I have to go. I said, okay, that's... And he went away. This is the thing, that the meditation cannot be done, other memories come. There the wife is waiting there. So he he had to go and attend to that. You see, this is the problem, that uh, your mind doesn't stay there. It goes away. So this is why they try to force the mind to stay in one place, and it becomes a big struggle. And that is what they call concentration. So this is the problem, that concentration. But the important thing here is not to start concentrating, but to learn to relax. To learn to relax the body. To relax is not to be doing something, but to stop doing things. So that relaxation is the way to throw out. So you throw out not by struggling, but by relaxing. So you are learning to relax the body. This is why I didn't call it right effort. I called it the harmonious exercise. Harmonious means it brings harmony, not conflict. So it's the opposite of conflict. And this is... So you're throwing out is the Buddha uses an analogy about this throwing out. If there is a strong man kept in that as the doorkeeper and a weak man comes there, wants to enter, that strong man doesn't have to strengthen himself to throw him out. It's like just you, moving the finger like that and thrown out. So it's like, So it's, So you don't have to make much effort. So it's like that. And... Uh, and it's a matter of relaxation and not a matter of tension. And... Uh, that is the sangmara. Sangra, Pahan, Pahan. So the sangra is to avoid thinking about what you see here, smell, taste, touch. And when memories come into the mind, or you remember something to be done in the future, they are all coming through memories and imagination. The future is really an imagination and uh, otherwise the future doesn't even exist. You're creating the future. And so, after doing that, the third step is bhavana. Bhavana means cultivation. Now, the first two things, sangra and prahana. It's a withdrawal of attention. It's a withdrawal of attention from what you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and memories and imagination of the future. So you are withdrawing your attention, and having withdrawn attention, you begin to focus your attention within, inside, not outside. So you withdraw your attention from outside and you are focusing your attention on what is going on inside you. Now that is very important, even in the what is called the Patanjali Yoga, in the Hindu philosophy or the Brahmin philosophy, there is a Patanjali yoga, they use two words. Those two words are really coming from the Buddha description of this. At that time, there there were Brahmins who became monks under the Buddha and learnt the teachings of the Buddha. And having learned these teachings, some gave up robes and went back and started commentaries to the Vedas. And that is how he, they borrowed ideas from the Buddha and added those ideas into their philosophy. But because they, they didn't fully understand what the Buddha said, they borrowed some words. And so they used the words here. And uh, in the Patanjali Yoga, they have two words, pratyahara and dharana. Pratyahara means withdrawal of attention from the external things. Pratyahara. Prati ahar. Ahar means taking in. Now, even uh, taking food is called ahar. Ahar means to take in. Pratyahar means to take your attention in. And dharana is to keep it there. Dharana is to. Maintain it inside, to focus the attention inside. That same idea is given in uh, the Satipatthana Sutra, where the Buddha says, Parimukam Satim upatta parimukam satiṁ upatthapetva means parimuka. They are mukha. Mukha is very often today translated as mouth. But the mukha really means face, not mouth. And now, uh, even in this uh, Malaysian language also, Mukha means face. eh? So, parimukha means around the face. Because the problem is, all our senses are found on the face. The eyes are on the face. The ears are on the face. Nose is on the face. The mouth is also on the face. So, because that is the front side, when people go, uh, even if you take the snake, the, fra- the front side is the place where you get the face. And so, around the face doesn't mean around like that. It is all over. So, So, when you open your eyes, you see what is around you. So normally people focus their attention on what they see, what they hear, what they smell, what they taste, what they touch. So that is the meaning of parimukhaṁ satiṁ, pari, parimukhaṁ, pari means around, mukha means face, around the face, parimukhaṁ satiṁ, sati is the attention. So the attention that is focused on these external things is now withdrawn from the surroundings and focused within. Upatapetva means, upa means inside, tapetva means to place. So parimukang satin, upatapetva, is always a withdrawal of attention. In other words, it's very important to understand that the modern scientist is trying to understand things by looking at things, hearing things, or smelling things, or tasting things, or touching things. That is what is called empiricism. Empiricism means becoming aware through the senses. Empirical, science is empirical. So the empirical research. But the Buddha's research is not empirical research. The Buddha's research was focused within to understand what is going on inside. So instead of focusing on what you see hear, smell, taste, touch. This is a very important thing to understand. This is introversion of attention. And that is introspection. That is called introspection. So psychology is introspective. So this was why Sigmund Freud, when he began to study the mind, he used introspection. And there was other kind of psychologist who, who tried to look outside. When you look outside, you can't see the mind. When you look outside, you can only see the world where this matter, not the mind. So the behaviorist started criticizing Freud and said, Freud is not scientific. To be scientific, you have to look outside, not inside. So when you look outside, you can only study the behavior of a person and not the mind. That is why he called it behaviorism, the study of human behavior. They said psychology is the study of human behavior because you can't study the the mind by looking outside. And if it is not looking inside, then it is unscientific, they they said. So they said... uh, Sigmund Freud's psychology was unscientific because he was looking within, because it was introspective. So this is very important. We recite, we describe the teachings of the Buddha, the Dhamma. How we de- do we describe in uh, Pali? Swakhato Bhagavata Dhammo Sandhitti ko Akali ko Ehi Pasi ko Opadai Veditabbo Vinyoi. Now, some of you know the Pali words, but you don't know the meaning. Huh? This is very important to understand. Swakhato means well. Stated in words. Well expressed in words. Su akato. Su means well. Akato means stated in words. Su akato. Now some philosophers started saying that truth cannot be stated. If it is stated... It is not a truth. (laughs) But here, the Buddha's truth is stated. And really, this is very important to understand. Suakhato means it is well stated. And uh, it was the the philosophers who were called uh, linguistic philosophers. Linguistic philosophers were Bertrand Russell, Wittgenstein. These are some words that you may have heard. And uh, Bertrand Russell, most people have heard. Huh? Uh, he was a philosopher who started saying truth. It's a statement, and because it is, it is a statement. It can be verified, and then it's pointed out that because it is a statement, it cannot be called a truth. When we examine the truth, because it is a statement, and If the statement does not describe something that has been seen, or heard, or smelled, or tasted, or touched, it cannot be accepted. It is uh, a statement which is uh, not a truth. It is only a statement. So uh, he spoke of statements that are meaningful or meaningless. If it is a statement about something that no one has seen, uh, then it is a meaningless statement. So if someone speaks about God and no one has seen this God, then it is a meaningless statement. And so, ultimately, the truth was thrown away. We don't uh, have to go too much into that. The important thing is that uh, the Buddha was focusing not on uh, what is experienced, but on experience itself. So when we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, we are experiencing things. And he wanted to study not what is seen or what is heard or what is smell, but he was going to study the experience. In other words, his teaching is experiential, not empirical. When you study what is seen, what is heard, that is empirical. So the teaching of the Buddha is not empirical, it is experiential. That is the meaning of the word Sandhiddhiko. Sandhiddhiko means... Ditti means the experience. What is seen or heard or smelled or tasted or touched, that is the ditti. Now when we say the word perspective, we are talking about that experience. Now when we speak about the harmonious perspective, we are referring to that experience. The harmonious experience is like the blind man touching the elephant. Most people just get hold of the experience, and think that is everything. But here the Buddha wants to see the experience from all angles and understand the experience. And to understand the experience, we have to focus on the experience. And an experience is not based on time and space. You see, now when we are not focusing uh, on the empirical, empirical means what we see, what we heard, we are focusing on space because what we see, what we hear and all that is located in space. And when we, the Buddha says it is akalika at the same time. Akalika means it is independent on time. It is timeless. So both space and time are taken off. Time is also a creation of this process of perception. So when we are looking at the experience... Both space and time are products of the process of experiencing. So, sandittiko, akaliko, and ehipassiko. Ehipassiko means come and see. What does that mean? here come and see means you have to see not outside inside come and see means you have to see open aiko what is open aiko upanayati upanayati upa means inside nayati means pointing Come and see means not come and look at that, but look inside. So if you want to see your experience, that is why it is introspective. It is not empirical, it is introspective. And when you have seen what is inside... It has to be seen by each individual by himself. What I see, you can't see. You have to look at what is inside you. I can't see it. That means each individual has to look within and see for himself. That is what it is. Pachyattaṃ veditabbo vinyo hiti. You see, people who translate these things have never understood this. You go and read the translators, they will say something else. This is very important to understand. (laughs) what this dhamma is all about it is a completely introspective understanding of experience and this is why we have to take our attention away from the external things and focus within that is the meaning of satipatthana today they call it mindfulness it is not mindfulness It is introspection, looking within. So unfortunately, I am the only one who says this, and therefore I become wrong. What is right is what is commonly understood by people. And if one individual says something which is different, then it is wrong. So that is the problem. Hmm? So this is why the Buddha, after becoming a Buddha, he thought, these people will never understand what I am going to tell them. It's useless my wasting time on this. So I will <laughs> enjoy it. Myself, and that is all that can be done. This is why the Sakra, the chief of the Brahman local, not Sakra, the Maha Brahman came and said, Please don't think like that. There are at least a few individuals who will be able to understand what you say. And therefore, you speak to those few people. Otherwise, they'll lose the benefit of this. So he went out to preach. That's why he went out to preach. And just a few individuals understood it. That is how it goes. So... uh, but the important thing is, when you look inside, what is it that you see? What you see when you look inside is... What you see inside is, see inside is the body. Because there is nothing inside. But can you see the body by looking inside? Looking inside cannot be done by opening your eyes. If you open your eyes and you see the body, that is not looking inside. (laughs) You have to close your eyes and look at the body. So you are looking at the body with your mind not with your eyes. So if you close your eyes and look at the body, you, you, what you see is simply an image in the mind. It is the image of the body. What you see as the body is the image of the body. And that image you, if, you, if you shake your hand, y- you can see it in the form of an image. If you uh, look at the stomach, you can see it in the form of an image. So the body will be seen and you'll be able to note the body moving also, all in the form of images. So whatever happens to the body, you will be aware of that. If your leg is shaking, you will be aware of that. So you can look what is happening to the body. But you begin to realize that what you really see is a sensation. So what you are seeing is a sensation. You are feeling the body, so... but there is a mental image and you are also feeling. The feeling can come in the form of a neutral feeling or a painful feeling or a pleasant, comfortable feeling. And then you can become aware of your emotional state. Is your emotional state calm, or is it agitated? You can become aware of the emotional state. And then you can also become aware of a thought that comes to your mind. It is a thought. So those are the four things that you become aware of. The body, how the body feels, the emotional state with calm or agitated, and the thought in the mind. Those are the four things, body, the feeling, the emotional state, and the thought. Becoming aware of that reduces the tension in your body and the emotional state becomes calm. That is the satipatthanam. And then anurakkana. I said there are four things. Sangra, pahana, bhavana, anurakana. Anurakkana is to preserve or maintain that introspection throughout the day and night. So if you keep on looking within and you keep on maintaining that, then your mind gets gradually calmed down. And you are aware of every excitement because you are focused within. That calmness Is what you are going to get. And that calmness is what gradually leads to the jhanas, which I call ecstasy. Ecstasy, the word ecstasy is a very important word. Ek means outside, stasi means to stand. But outside here is really the inside. You are coming out from the outside into the inside. So you are getting inside. You are getting outside the outside. And that is how you get into the inside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because you have been outside all the time. And now you are coming out of the outside, into the inside. Out of the outside. Huh? <laughs> and then, from there on, you get inside in degrees. That becomes the gradual reduction of experience. It's a gradual reduction of experience. So, when we talk about the first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, we are talking about a gradual reduction of experience. So, I think that is the end of the day. Eh? <laughs>